Greetings, PVIC. Welcome to the Post-Church Podcast, a time where we reflect on a Sunday sermon and answer some practical questions. My name is Neil, and I'm here with Pastor Sean and Pastor Billy. This week's sermon passage is on Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 to 34. Pastor Billy, take it away. Thanks, Neil. So in today's passage, we were in Matthew 9, 27 to 34. And there we see uh, two blind men fervently seek Jesus, uh, addressing him as the son of David, which is a, a messianic title. And their faith, uh, in light of their faith, Jesus uh, touches their eyes, restoring their sight. And their miraculous healing um, spreads essentially all throughout the region. However, not everyone rejoices. The Pharisees attribute Jesus' work to demonic forces, which reveals their spiritual blindness. So Jesus emphasizes that his miracles are a manifestation of God's kingdom and invites us to see with spiritual eyes. So this section, this passage sort of illustrates the power of faith, the compassion of Christ, and I think kind of that ongoing battle between belief and doubt or skepticism and I think it reminds us that true sight comes through faith uh, in Jesus the, the son of David uh, who is our Savior so you mentioned the significance of Jesus being identified as the son of David there's a significance in lineage there that you're pointing towards uh, we also see a setting apart of an entire people group in the Old Testament. Why do you think God emphasized such an importance with this? Yeah, if you touch first on the Son of David title, right, and then I think we can transition into the larger idea of a people being set apart. So, one, that Son of David title is up front right in Matthew's Gospel which I think we mentioned in the sermon, that Matthew 1, verse 1, it talks about it being a genealogy of Christ, the son of David. So to the narrative that we're in, it is very significant that they call Jesus this because as a son of David, Jesus is essentially the, the heir, right? The messianic heir, the king. And this whole series is about Jesus as king. It's validation. Uh, yes, right. right. <clears throat> but it, it, it invites us, right? That title invites us to look back and say, wow, this, this covenant that God made with David, we're going back generations here. Um, and interestingly enough, in Matthew chapter 1, it also talks about Jesus as the son of Abraham. 
right? So now you're talking about going generations upon generations all the way back. And Abraham being the father of the nation of Israel. So when you bring up the idea of a people that is set apart, that word set apart, those words set apart, it's really the meaning of the word holy, right? The yeah. right holy, if you're not trying to find it, is to be set apart, set apart for a specific purpose, right? Set apart. Now, in the Old Testament, rather in, rather than just thinking about a people that is set apart, which you definitely have in the people of Israel, there's lots of other manifestations of being set apart. So if you look into um, a lot of the laws, even some of the dietary laws and things like that, there was a setting apart. All of these ideas of people being set apart, these dietary restrictions they are uh, being set apart, all of it is po really, really pointing us forward to the holiness of God. Right? That's really what it's kind of driving us toward, that we would see God as holy and then ultimately see that in this setting apart there is a purpose for salvation right it's really part of the overarching um, narrative of salvation that as God sets apart a people that the rescuer the redeemer the messiah the chosen one comes out of this people so there's a narrative of god's holiness that is critical to this setting apart and there's a narrative about the overall um uh, plan of salvation that is critical to this um, setting apart of, of, of a people right and you see that idea more than just in the people but in actually in the law and in other all kinds of other different aspects of the of, of the old testament yeah and i think if you look at the old testament a question that you can ask is, what is God setting them apart from? And he's, he's setting them apart from pagan nations and um, kind of abhorrent practices. So you've got things like child sacrifice. You've got the worshiping of all sorts of gods and deities, the sun, the earth, the moon, all, all different sorts of things. But God pulls these people apart. And when you think about the church today, we're also essentially set apart from everything else. Yeah. Royal priesthood, right? Right, Chosen, exactly. Right? And if you look, Holy what nation. are we set apart from? We look at our culture and we look at the things that they do, their practices and what they worship and what they idolize and set on pedestals. We're, we're set apart as well. And that idea that God is utterly unique in who he is in his holiness and set apart in that way and stands above and beyond all of these other false gods, right? Which you, which you mentioned, right? Um, he stands apart and above and beyond any pagan philosophy or God that, that would have been brought up. It stands to reason then that his people would be set apart as he is a, right. set apart. He talks about be holy as as I am holy, yeah. right? So if he if he is set apart, then the, the calling upon his people is to be set apart as well. And the whole narrative of the of the scripture 
is kind of telling that story. <clears throat> All right. Thank you, Pastor Billy. Um, we're going to go to the second question. Uh, this is um, going to be, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the miracles. And I know we're in uh, chapter 9, and it's uh, our ninth miracle story in Matthew. Um, you mentioned uh, the purpose of these miracles that are performed in this chapter is the focus is on the reaction to the miracles. Bringing that to our times now, I wanted to ask, when we see miracles in modern-day Christianity, how does it work? And how does the church view that and apply that in practice? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great question because I think the church throughout history has had to kind of figure out how the miraculous fits in mm -hmm. and you know there are parts and streams of Christian faith and thinking that throughout history has sought to excise the miraculous from the scriptures and from the faith, right? To, to kind of, you know, coming out of the enlightenment and the idea of, of rationalism and, mm -hmm. and um, naturalism, materialism, to say, okay, right, we see some value here in the Christian faith, but all this miraculous stuff, that doesn't jive with nature, so let's keep all the other stuff and let's throw throw this stuff out. Right? I think there's you know that there's definitely been that push. Um so I mean I for me I think you look at it and, and you have to start with the question of when you talk about the miraculous and miracles, is it something that happens? Are miracles that something that happened now if you're not ascribing to just a purely materialistic worldview and we're acknowledging that there is more in this world than we can um, but experience with just our five senses we understand the spiritual reality of the world and you read everything that you see in scripture um, I think you would have to say yeah, yes, right. That we can't. We're not can't discount the supernatural somehow. Uh, you can't just go in and slice these parts out of scripture and, and toss them away. Um, the question becomes, I think we talked about this last week, maybe. The understanding of what is the purpose of the miracle, right? The miracle. In as much as it serves faith is not an end unto itself but part of a larger narrative that's what we see in all these miracle stories here right they're part of the story but in reality they're serving this larger picture of showing Jesus and his authority so when you come to the practice of and how the miraculous intersects with the church today you have to think What's the purpose here, right? 
when when uh, you know a miracle or something miraculous happens in the context of a church or through a church or through a ministry what's being glorified here is ultimately the the is the miracle glorified and the people that are involved in the miracle glorified and the uh, the, the the church glorified or the theology of the church glorified or is God glorified? Does God receive the glory? Right? Is it is it supportive of faith in that way or does it become a thing unto itself? Right? You have Jesus in Luke chapter 10 when, you know, the 72 return and they're coming with joy and saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus kind of gives them this, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like, hold on. Right? I've given you this authority, but don't rejoice in this. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice in the salvation of God. That is the glory of God. Right? There's a connection there. So um, I think that's a warning and I think if we translate that and bring that into the miraculous in the modern day I think there's a warning here that uh, in as much when the miracle becomes an end unto itself and man is glorified and God is not glorified then we've we've strayed we've strayed we've gone too far um, and on the other hand if we are just trying to align with um, the common thinking of the culture or the knowledge of the worldview today and trying to say, all right, let's take the Bible and everything it says in Christianity and try and fit it into the box of naturalism. You're not going to be able to do it. You're doing a disservice to God. You're doing a disservice to uh, scriptures. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I hear it. There's, 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 there's a warning on both ends of the understanding of the miraculous and how it interacts with the church today, I think. Yeah, I think if you look at biblical precedent, if you look in the Old Testament, for example, if you look at Moses with the snake when he's standing before Pharaoh, right? Mm -hmm. If you watch that movie, well, Ten Commandments with yeah. uh, Ben Kingsley? Charlton Heston. Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who's Pharaoh? That was um, Yul Brenner. Yul Brenner. Okay, well, We'll do the movie podcast yeah. later. <laughs> we'll, not without you. <laughs> Set that one out. Nevertheless, um, what was the purpose of that supernatural event, that miracle? It was to authenticate the God that he stood for, to differentiate the real and the living God from Pharaoh and his golden God. And if we look at the New Testament, kind of what you're referring to, Pastor Billy, um, a lot of the miracles that the disciples were performing was to authenticate the gospel and to authenticate the Christ who they were professing because there was no scripture that they're handing out like we do today. Mm. So the miracles that were performed, at least biblically, when we look in the Bible, they were to authenticate the message. And they, like you say, always pointed back to Christ. They didn't point to self. Yeah. And, and, and that's really what it, what it boils down to. I think there's a, I think you see it in, in Jesus' words to those disciples that returned. There is a temptation that exists to take the miraculous and twist it to our own ends. 
and um you know we're called to do something other than that um i you know and i always also think about and i don't know if we mentioned this in a, in a previous pod but i think we might have but but i, I always remember thinking growing up when i was younger and thinking about the miraculous and thinking about the stories in the bible mm-hmm. and being like Oh, so it would have been so. I think I actually just had a conversation with Silas about with my, with my son about this, you know, about miracles and being like, man, what would it have been like to be in the presence of some of these like mm-hmm. amazing moments in time, right? Walking through the Red Sea, those kind of things like yeah. that, right? Water into wine. Yeah. yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. You, you really, you really want to be there for that one, right? Yeah. That's. Um, um, yeah, no, I mean, you see these things and you're just like, what would it have been like? Um, you know, but I was, you know, I was telling Silas, I was like, yeah, can, can you believe that? But they, they walked through walls of water and they came out on the other side and they right. turned their back on God. Mm-hmm. It wasn't enough. Wasn't enough. Yeah. Isn't that something? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, we can get lost in in the miraculous, but you cannot be, even begin to plumb the depths of the miracle that is Calvary, right? Mm-hmm. So if you want to look back at something, you want, you want to, you know, yeah, let's put everything in its proper context, but what is more miraculous than the cross and the resurrection, right? That mm-hmm. is the bedrock that's the monument in time that stands as you know the miracle of miracles uh thank you um going forward um any questions to uh think about for this week so uh first so if we think back to the passage like like the blind men in this passage they were definitely challenged, I'm sure, by their blindness, right? We're experiencing challenges. So and we all face challenges and difficulties in life. So life. So thinking, how can their sort of faith, and we spend some time talking about their, maybe their persistence in pursuing Christ and following after him. So how can their sort of unwavering faith challenge us, inspire us to trust in Jesus even when facing you know, seemingly insurmountable uh, obstacles, right? So that's first. Secondly, is an opportunity to reflect on instances when you might have been spiritually spiritually blind or skeptical about God's work in your life or in the lives of others. So how might this passage and this portion encourage you to open your heart to God's transformative power and recognize his presence. And lastly, you know, we see that the news of Jesus' miraculous healings spread throughout the region. So to think about how, you know, can you actively share the stories of God's work and grace in your life with others, right? In what ways can you be 
uh, a witness to the transformative power of faith, of faith in, in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Pastor Billy. Some good points to ponder upon. Uh, we look forward to tackling those questions this week. And on another note, we also look forward to seeing you all this Friday for our men's and women's small group. And until next Sunday, let us strive to live all of life to the glory of God.